Jesus went up on, into the hills and there sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a multitude was coming to him, Jesus said to Philip, how are we to buy enough bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him. On this Friday of the second week of Easter, we hear in the gospel passage two separate allusions to elevation. First, we have Christ ascending a mountain, and second, we hear about his lifting up his eyes to heaven. Here we must realize it is through this external action of climbing a mountain that our Lord demonstrates his desire to pray. We know this because we have seen many references within the scriptures, both in the Old and New Testaments, where the prophets, as well as Christ himself, ascend to heights before they choose to engage in prayer with our Father in heaven. And we should notice a similarity between lifting one's eyes, mind, and heart to heaven in prayer in a passage which occurs earlier in the Gospel of John. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus is lifted up on the cross, and following his passion and death is resurrected from the dead, ascending to heaven in the glory of the Father, that all mankind might be reconciled to himself. And we must acknowledge that this concept of elevation, of lifting our hearts and our minds to God is seen and heard within the sacred mass, specifically during the words of the first Eucharistic prayer. On the day before he was to suffer, he took bread in his holy and venerable hands and with eyes raised to heaven, to you, O God, his almighty Father. And following these words, the priest physically elevates the body of Christ for all to see. Christ has won the victory over sin and death that we might be lifted up. He has given us the gift of the sacraments that we be reborn from above through spirit and water. Yet we heard that Jesus goes further to ask Philip a question. How are we to buy bread so that these people may eat. Two things seem obvious to Philip, that there are a great number of people present with Christ and the disciples, and that they are gathered in a remote place in the hills. Philip, a practical man, relies on his practical experience. He depends upon what he has seen and heard in order that he fulfill this material need. Philip understands well the time it would take to complete a journey from their current location to a place where they will be able to purchase food and then return. He understands full well that it will be very expensive to purchase food for this vast crowd, And he realizes that it will be very difficult to transport these needed supplies to so remote a location. But although Jesus asks this question of Philip, he is aware of the reasonings Philip will offer in order that this dilemma be resolved. Philip replies, 
200 denarii will not be enough bread for each one of them to get a little. One denarii was equal to a full day's wage. So what Philip is suggesting is that it would require 200 days wages to feed the multitude of people gathered in this place. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, states, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many? It is obvious to all present that this small amount of food is not enough to feed the crowd. And yet we must remember that which is recorded within the book of the prophet Isaiah. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Jesus instructs the disciples to have the people sit down and number about 5,000. Then taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he said the blessing over them, broke them, and gave them to the disciples to set before the crown. Here one should immediately take note that before all else, Christ offers prayer and thanksgiving to his heavenly Father. And it is only following this prayer that he performs a miracle providing food for all that had gathered, far beyond the original five loaves and two fish, as much as they desired. Thus, this miracle, this multiplying of bread and fish, clearly prefigures the Eucharist. During the sacrifice of Holy Mass, through the cooperation of an ordained priest, the elements, wheat, flour, and water, and the fermented juice of crushed grapes are consecrated through transubstantiation. The one high priest, Jesus Christ, offers us his real and true presence, body, blood, soul, and divinity, represented during each mass on multiple continents, daily all over the world. That in this way he might honor his promise, the promise we hear recorded at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. And behold, I am with you always, until the end of the age. Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, took on flesh in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and following his death and resurrection, ascends once more to the Father out of great love for us. And yet we know it is through this great sacrifice that he has given us the greatest gift, his body and his blood, feeding us both bodily and spiritually. And through our reception of this great gift, unity is affected. When we receive the Eucharist, not only is there unity with God, but also unity with one another as the body of Christ. And just as there is true unity when we receive the Eucharist, so also there is an element of unity and loving relationship when a family gathers to partake of a meal. Bearing in mind that there is a vast difference between consuming food during a meal and receiving the Holy Eucharist. When we consume food during a meal, our bodies assimilate the food and convert it to energy. Dissimilarly, when we receive the Eucharist in faith and in the state of grace, 
we are transformed and assimilated into the body of Christ. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one bread. Amen, amen, I say to you. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not such as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.